0: Good morning, it's Esty Schreiber here from SA Natural Products, the home of Living Naturally. And with me in the studio is Dr. David Nadir. Hello, Dr. David.
1: Hello, Esty. Great to be back again.
0: Welcome to part two of our three-part series on pregnancy. In part one, we've discussed everything concerning the first trimester. Now comes the second trimester. I would say this is the fun time. This is the, now your bump is starting to show and you've had your first scan and the doctor has put the machine on there and you can hear baby's heartbeat and it's becoming a reality that this little, little, little pip is growing into a grape, into a, uh, first it's a, it's a blueberry, then it's a grape, and then it's a peach, and then now it's an orange. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and the baby is being formed. And now it's the day that the eyes, this week, this eyes are made, and that week, the ears are made, and this week, the, the arms and the legs. And you follow it because on Google you can get all this information now about what happens at what stage of your pregnancy on this day, that day, that day. You can literally follow it. So it's it's fascinating to know that this is all happening. But also that you start to show that you are pregnant. And people can start to go, oh, are you pregnant? Because, oh, and you want to say that to the right person. (laughs) (laughs) You do not want to say this to somebody that says, no, I'm not. I've done that twice in my life. I never want to do that again. But this is where the news is now broken to all the friends, the rest of the family, the people that you come into contact with. Everybody can brag that there is a child on the way. So second trimester, what is the the most important thing in a second trimester? I think the first thing is the fact that that morning sickness hopefully disappears.
1: Yeah, I think this is definitely a part of um, the pregnancy that you can start to
0: kind of relax
1: a little bit and enjoy the pregnancy and um, um, you start feeling the baby moving. I mean, you can even hear the heartbeat with a normal stethoscope. Um, so this is really when things start getting real, um, and it's also a time where a good time to start also getting prepared at the ho- at your home and so on as well. Because once you get your third trimester, you you know you you're getting not, heavy, you're getting heavy <laughs> and you're getting sore, and so it's a good time to start getting it organized practically. Um, and but I think yeah, you you're quite right. It's the time when you can actually. Um, enjoy the pregnancy and 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 start to relax a little bit obviously maintain a healthy diet and um, keep exercising moderately um, keep going for your checkups obviously as well but uh, yeah just get to start enjoying the process
0: and the supplements to use you take your biostrath you do you still need your folic acid in the second trimester
1: yeah you would still take you'll be, you still still be, be taking the, that. the quantities you, you would get in your antenatal would be yeah. sufficient
0: and in the avogal range we've got a beautiful omega-3 that is completely vegan it's called veg omega-3 and this is safe to use right from the word go when you've learned that you are pregnant then you're not worried about any heavy metals or any fish or any Thing, it is a vegan omega-3 and this is what that child requires for the development of that brain and the neurosystem so omega-3, the veg omega-3 the biostrath, your folic acid your iron supplement, you're still taking it yep, so if you need it if,
1: at, at, if you are at risk for sure
0: Absolutely. and the person that will be more at risk will be your vegans and vegetarians
1: yep, um, certainly uh, um, certainly teenage pregnancies you must really look at iron supplementation because the, the teen herself is still growing, and now she's pregnant as well. So that's definitely one.
0: And multiple pregnancies. And
1: multiple pregnancies close together with long periods of breastfeeding in between, perhaps. Um, that or, mom
0: definitely needs to stop Yep,
1: still breastfeeding. One baby falls pregnant again. Body hasn't had a chance to fully um, uh, recover. recover nutritionally, so for sure.
0: So the second trimester is easier, it's more comfortable. We can continue to eat a healthy diet. The products that we've got to take, we know that we mustn't do alcohol, smoking's, um coffee and that this is a time when you want to start talking and, um, um, to your doctor about with what your wish is about having a hospital birth, um, a, a natural birth. Uh, I don't think the doctor, the gynecologist will now say to you, you are already a person that I can see will need a cesarean. It's too soon.
1: Um, Depends. Um, So, for example, if you've had a caesarean before, then of course you would know that you would have a caesarean again. But in a first-time pregnancy, if there are no complications, obvious complications, then no um, at that stage.
0: So you would would discuss um, the giving of birth more in the third trimester?
1: you would it, it, unless you had some sort of anatomical reason why it uh, would be an issue that's obvious at that stage okay. like a like a, a very narrow pelvis perhaps or that could be picked up earlier yeah. but you're quite right that you know at this point in time you you certainly want to be starting to think about your birth plan yeah um and at, remember that it's a plan and sometimes things don't go according to plan no. But certainly start discussing these options with your doctor.
0: And a midwife or a doula or going to all the classes to learn about this baby that's going to be born and how to give birth and what to do afterwards?
1: I think especially for a first-time mother, those antenatal classes are absolutely essential and for the father.
0: They're gold.
1: So if you have that opportunity, take it up. And um, because, like I said earlier, they're not the baby's not going to come with an instruction <laughs> manual, and um, and
0: birthing doesn't come with an instruction no, manual.
1: Preparing for birth, so there's valuable um, information that you can learn there.
0: Yeah. But to, to uh, sit down with your mom and ask her about her pregnancies and what it was like to bring her children into the world. Now there's common ground to talk and to find out, was it easy for mom or difficult? There, it, 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 there might be generation to generation um, similarities. Um, between one another but it, it, it's a time just to connect on a different level before if mom spoke about your birth you weren't really interested but now because you're pregnant you want to now understand things a little bit more so sit down and have those conversations but definitely decide which hospital you want to be um oh something that's important is to speak to your gynecologist about when are you allowed to travel and not you do not want to... We must understand... In the world of obstetrics and gynecology... It's Obstetrics is bringing the children into the world... It is a... You want to be close to your gynecologist... When you are from seven months onwards... At least... You do not want to be far away... So this is not a time... Seven months on... You do not want to be in airplanes... Leaving your province... Or your, your area... Because you need to be close to the person... That's been monitoring you from the beginning... Gynecologists today need to take out very expensive insurance because things can go wrong and they are forced to have to have this very expensive insurance and they do not like taking on a patient that they haven't walked the whole journey with the person. So you want to respect that. So when it comes to seven months onwards, don't get in the airplane and leave your province. Stay at home. If you will go on holiday, do it close by, but be close to your gynecologist. So this is where you choose your gynecologist well, and by now you would have chosen your pediatrician too. So that when this child is born, that the pediatrician will be present for the birth as well to receive your child. Make a choice, make a decision who that person is. Who is your pediatrician with your gynecologist? If you're going to choose a delivery where your midwife or your doula will be present as well, discuss that with your gynecologist. Let them know who you've chosen. They, They know who these people are as well. That person is there to support you. To be there for you, to calm you, to give you the the strength to be able to bring this this baby into the world, to walk this road with you. So have them close by. But it is definitely not a time after seven months to get into an aeroplane. It's also a time to maybe start considering how you want to bring your baby into the world. Some people elect a caesarean. Why would they do that?
1: Well, there are various reasons for this. Um, But in South Africa... um, Probably two-thirds of mothers in the private sector elect to have cesarean sections over um, normal vaginal births. So it's very high. World Health Organization sets the target at 15% of pregnancies should but be cesarean. we have 66%. Cesarean. We have in South Africa, I read some stats recently, probably two-thirds in the private sector. Yes. It's very different in the public sector. So we have a very high um, cesarean rate. Um, and a large portion of those are elective caesars. Elective caesars where you choose to have a caesar and it's not done as an emergency. So we need to distinguish between an emergency caesarean section and an elective caesarean section.
0: So what are they?
1: So an emergency caesarean section would be – well, some aren't always emergency. Some are, are, are pre-booked. So, for example, if you've had a caesar before, you're usually going to have another caesar. Um and uh, if you've got twins, so that you will know beforehand, um, and certainly if you've got any complications. So perhaps you develop preeclampsia. Your blood pressure goes really high. That's grounds for uh, a caesar. Uh, maybe you've got a breached baby, and of course that would be known beforehand.
0: Or the placenta is in the wrong place?
1: Placenta is in the wrong place. The cords around the neck. The placenta is in the wrong place. Or the placenta is starting to bleed or rupture, or uh, you know, that's that's quite serious. Um, and then, uh, but there are also some other scenarios where the shape of the pelvis they've been measured, and the pelvis is perhaps not wide enough, and that would cause, likely cause an obstruction. So, so there's some conditions that can be pre-calculated, but then of course an emergency seizure would be, for example, you go into preeclampsia, or um, you've got a prolapse cord, the cord comes out, uh, or um, so, there, so there are some unforeseen things that can that can take a, a, a pregnant woman who's planned a That's vaginal the, delivery uh, into an emergency seizure scenario.
0: And that can change at a moment.
1: That can change. So, so so, there's some things that can change at the last moment. Others are, are determined prior, You, i.e. it's probably best to do a seizure in your case because you are at risk of um, some sort of medical harm to yourself or the child if we don't. And then, of course, the last-minute decisions.
0: Do you think a lot of women elect a caesarean because they're just scared that something can go wrong so let's just plan it that day because baby's due on the 10th of the the month and we're going to bring the baby in on the 3rd. So they usually do it earlier um, so that you don't even go into labour. Do you think that that is the reason why in the private sector this is happening?
1: Uh, I think so. Um, And there are, and I can't speak certainly for obstetricians and all of them, but there are some that would convince their, their patients to rather go that route for various reasons. Um, and everyone has their own personal reasons why they do it. But um, it gets a little bit controversial, you know, when you when you look at it, because of the do's and the don'ts, and yeah. should I, shouldn't I. Um, but all I know is that in South Africa, around right about two-thirds of babies born in the private sector are C-sections.
0: Now, a first-world country like Switzerland, a cesarean is an emergency only. They, they elective seizures are unheard of. You just, it doesn't happen. The same in the UK. People bring babies into the world there with a the midwife. And it is, it's just, that's the norm.
1: Well, the WHO says that um, cesarean sections are only to be done when medically necessary. Okay, so when medically necessary, so that means... You, so there's a big
0: question mark around South Africa's high percentage in the private sector. Yeah, it's a big debate. So it is a big debate, and we're not going to be- debate it here. But what we are going to say is that a cesarean can save a life, both mom and baby's life. And that is where it's called for. That is what is what is important. But we also need to trust that the human body, the female body, knows how to bring a child into the world. And you just need to understand what is happening. So that is what we're going to now in the third trimester. Oh, uh, uh, in the second trimester, having that nap in the afternoon, lying down, putting your feet up, you can start to get a little bit of heartburn or or constipation. Why do some women become constipated? They've never been constipated and they suddenly get constipated, yet they're not eating food that causes constipation. What causes this in some women in pregnancy?
1: There's hormonal factors and there's mechanical factors. So remember the size of the uterus in a non-pregnant woman is the size of an orange and it becomes the size of a watermelon when you get to the end of the third trimester so So you can imagine it's taking up space so it's pushing everything out the way so think of your colon um especially the last part of your descending and sigmoid colon right down in the pelvis that's exactly where the uterus is going to start eating into the colon space pushing on the colon pushing the other intestines upwards so that's why you get things like reflux um There's mechanical reasons for these things. But remember, also hormones make things more lax and stretchy and soft. And so valves and sphincters and things like that could become weakened as well. So you can imagine then if if the stomach contents, the valve keeping the stomach contents where it should be is weaker and there's a bit more pressure on it as well, likelihood of reflux is is increased. And there's the heartburn. Mm. But certainly if you can imagine this watermelon growing in your abdomen and your (laughs) pelvis, it's going to just push everything out the way.
0: Isn't it amazing that the woman body can stretch open like that? The connective tissue can open up to allow a baby to be grown inside of your body with all the fluid that's got to be around it in the little bag that it's got to live in inside your uterus that can stretch to that size. And then it can come back to normal again. This is just amazing. And then we worry about the cellulite. Your body is supposed to be able to to stretch. And and, and that's why a woman's body is softer. Our tummies are softer. Our hips are softer. Our thighs are softer. It's not like men. Men have firm um, uh, legs. Women have soft legs. But we complain about it because we want it to look like a 16-year-old's leg and it's just not possible you're a woman and when you're pregnant that is showing you why your body can stretch this way also the breasts oh we haven't even touched on the breasts they start to change from the day that you fall pregnant what is it about the breast tissue that changes because your your breasts grow they become larger and the tissue inside changes so that you can breastfeed your child when when baby's being born what is that busy happening
1: so so again you got the influence of the hormones. and you know that, you I mean, you can certainly just fluctuations in hormones can cause changes in breast tissue. And, and think about someone who gets really bad PMS. Yes. Often yes. you get breast tenderness yes. and enlargement and engorgement of breasts just before periods. Um, so now, not only do you have these hormonal changes, but you also have the, the mammary glands inside the breasts are getting ready. For, um, for lactation or breastfeeding so you have all of that going on as well so it's a combination
0: it's very beautiful when the breasts become all nice and full and they're growing when it comes to the scanning of the baby the usually your medical health plan will cover for two scans one in the beginning and one towards the end but today they like scanning every single month your opinion on that
1: Personally, I don't think the scanning needs to be as frequently as a, as what it is. I do think that the first scan at around about six to eight weeks is important because, um, first of all, confirm that there is a pregnancy, confirm there's one that there's a yolk sac <laughs> and a fetal pole and a, a, in the gestational sac, um, check how, maybe there's yeah maybe there's one or two, uh, determine the presence of the heartbeat for sure calculate the estimated delivery date all those things are really really important um, and uh, and of course then you have your what they call the anomaly scan which is like 13, 11 to 13 weeks where they look that everything is where it should be structurally um, and then uh, yeah, and then they have more, there's another one that's done in the second trimester where they do a detailed anatomical check um, and there's now 4D scans as well and so those middle, the, the, in the middle, you, it's, there's probably some leeway there to reduce the frequency of those scans, and then right in the third trimester, they'll do. Usually, want to do another one, but that's to check is the placenta staying healthy. Because sometimes placenta can calcify. Sometimes the amniotic fluid can become decreased. That's 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 serious. So I would say right in the beginning, and then definitely right at the end are very important. Um, but it's debatable the in-between scans you know um what you know it's debatable whether or not those are really necessary
0: yeah because you if you are having a normal pregnancy and you calculate you've, you've done all your blood's net and the doctor is just checking you checking your abdomen how things are changing listening to the child you can listen with this normal stethoscope or that um, there's a device that you put onto the belly and you listen to the baby that is how we, we used to do it we didn't do it by scanning every single month. So, yeah, again, we're going to leave it at that. It's a question mark for people. In my opinion, two scans are more than enough. What about using herbs throughout pregnancy? Are they safe? Because we know most homeopathic medicines are safe. What about herbs?
1: Yeah, you need to distinguish between your homeopathics and your herbals. As you say, most homeopathics are are safe in pregnancy. Um, But your herbals, there are a fair number of well-known common herbal medicines that are contraindicated in pregnancy, a fair number of them. So what I normally tell patients to do is don't take any herbals, um, and I don't give any herbals. Um, The exception would be echinacea. So echinacea has got a good safety in pregnancy rating. Um, There's good data where they've tested women who've used it throughout their pregnancies. And there's enough information on echinacea use in pregnancy for us to be really sure that it's safe, but that, that we don't have that information for many, many of the other herbals. And some herbals are outright contraindicated because they have a hormonal influence, perhaps, uh, or they have a spa- anti spasmodic kind of effect, perhaps, which you don't want to do. Um, so, and they are outright contraindicated. So, what I would tell um, mothers is to don't take any herbals unless you've checked with your doctor or, or your homeopath or phytotherapist um, but what you can do safely is use echinacea that's the one of the, the clear exceptions
0: so very important about that then um, in the pegasus range they have brought out what they call the pink box and you can purchase this pink box online from them, the Pegasus Pink Box. And inside there is everything that a woman requires in homeopathic form in her pregnancy that she might need—from emotional ups and downs, the morning sickness, the delivery of the baby, the afterwards, um, what to do—they've got it in there. So the, the, go and look online, Pegasus pink box it's a cute little cardboard box that they give you these remedies in with a um, a pamphlet that explains to you what to use when Um, and then of course go and speak to your homeopath when you get ill if you get ill when you are pregnant you are ill with a viral infection they you go and see your homeopath. That is the person where you start, because a homeopath knows how to treat diseases. Mm. Correct?
1: Mm. For sure, and of course, if they are not able to help you, they'll refer you. Or if they think you need to, let, you know, notify the the um, gynecologist or obstetrician, they will say so. Um, I mean, you have to also distinguish from a mild illness from some of the more serious ones in pregnancy. So, um, if you're not sure, always ask. And uh, you know, there are some conditions that are a little bit more serious in pregnancy that you don't want to get. And if you do, you do need to then see your, your gynecologist. Um, and so they include a few viral things, certainly things like chickenpox, uh, cytomegalovirus, um, uh hepatitis, you know, there are some serious infections yeah, that what? you definitely don't want in pregnancy.
0: So, so common ones that people can get in pregnancies, colds and flu? Oh,
1: absolutely, that you can manage quite comfortably.
0: With homeopathics and with absolutely. your rekena force and with your biostress? And, absolutely. And um, can you steam with essential oils like tea tree oil when you're pregnant?
1: The te- quite a few essential oils are no-no in pregnancy. Um, certainly, so, they're a little bit controversial. Steaming is probably okay, but bear in mind that when you steam, you do absorb a lot of the volatile oils mm-hmm. of, um, of those substances. So I would be a little bit cautious about using essential oils. There are some that are completely contraindicated, even for just breathing in. Um, so the essential oils, are, you ought to be careful. Go and make sure that they are oils that are approved for pregnancy. There's certain mixtures that you can use um, for, um, for different conditions. But I would stick with the homeopathics, I okay. would stick with tissue salts, yes. I would stick with buffflower remedies. All of those are 100% safe um, in pregnancy. Because the
0: other thing that a woman can quite easily get in pregnancy is an upset tummy and vomiting and diarrhea. Yes. Now that can be dangerous.
1: If it's yeah, if you've got vomiting and diarrhea, um, remember I mentioned hyperamesis gravidarum, yes. that's excessive vomiting, you can dehydrate, you certainly don't want that. Uh, if that's happening, then you need to. You need that, medical that's, attention That's a serious now. condition. So yep.
0: Speak to your gynecologist yep. immediately. But if your tummy is not upset and you just diarrhoea because you've eaten something you shouldn't have, um, there are homeopathic medicines that you can give for that. Uh, fevers in pregnancy—is it something to be worried about?
1: Yes, if you are, if you do produce a significant fever, um, you may have a more serious viral infection. That definitely warrants uh, assessment. Uh, particularly if it goes on for more than 24 hours um, it's something you do want to discuss with your doctor um, or medical practitioner
0: so this is where if, if if that was me in those situations I would speak to my gynecologist and my homeopath both and let them both treat you at the same time because the gynecologist will be looking a lot at the baby and what is happening there and they will know which drugs are safe to use in pregnancy for mom but the homeopath is the one that will know which natural medicine will support that body to get the body through the illness and so So you've got two eyes on you, two pairs of eyes on you that's going to help you through it. This concludes part two of our three-part series on pregnancy. Be sure to listen to part one if you haven't done so already, where we discuss the first trimester and then the third trimester and the birthing process in part three of our pregnancy podcasts.